0: everybody, it's Jack Ram and John Peterson, and we have a special guest today with a really an interesting timely subject, um, Mr. Cole Thompson. I, you know, Cole, not to not to make you, I'm not trying to get make your head big. I know you're a very modest person, but on my um, on my on my uh, computer screen, I keep about six icons for photographers that i like always like to look and see what they're doing and look at their stuff and um, i have you here and always have even Uh, before we used to do these podcasts you're one of the six that i look at john i'm i I was going to add you but you got a ways to go yet
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't rate i get it i get it and if
0: it makes you feel any better i don't even have my own up there so You guys
2: remind me of me and John Barkley always taking shots at each other. Well, you know,
0: Barkley, we had on a podcast here um, a few months ago.
2: Oh, that Um, really lowers my opinion of your show. (laughs) Gee.
0: It was uh, we had a lot of fun. He's a a funny guy. And and John and I have a lot in common musically, you know, so um, it it was uh, it was fun. I call it's really great to have you back. Uh, I think it's been, John, am I right? Maybe about a year or so. About a year, yeah. 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 Time flies. But, um, Cole recently did an article, uh, on his website under the newsletter area, um, about his trip to the Ukraine or Ukraine, Ukraine. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, it was very timely, obviously, um, uh, due to what is unfortunately going on over there, you know, we are so lucky in America, you know, we've never, I mean, as far as when I was alive and I've been alive for, you know, a long, long time, um, we've never had a fight on our land, you know? Yeah. I mean, Hawaii got attacked, but you know, to a lot of people, Hawaii is like a different country. It's far enough away. I can't imagine what would happen if, god forbid we ever go through what those people are going through over there it's a disaster but you know we uh, john and i when we saw that we immediately said let's get a hold of Cole and maybe we can talk about this so for everybody that's listening to this podcast call tell them where you can they can find that newsletter or, or that letter
2: uh if they go to my website just click on newsletter and then it's just uh the first one listed
0: and it's it's entitled uh, Ukrainians
2: with eyes shut.
0: Yeah. So, um, again, I think that everybody, the most most of the people who listen to this podcast know Cole Thompson. So we're not going to go through the whole bio or anything. He just is is uh, he's he's uh, he's a master. But really, what we'd like to talk about here today is his trip to Ukraine and the thought behind this amazingly, wonderfully written piece that was very touching.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I appreciate you guys having me back. And boy, I think it has to be more than a year ago. My hair wasn't this long back then.
0: <laughs> Neither was mine. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I have, I have a hair, right? One or two back in here. So, <laughs> no, you you look great. I mean, you look you, you look a lot younger than I feel. Sometimes. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah. No, but where should I here. Well, John, what do you think? Just uh, well,
1: let's so let's kind of start with the with the project. I mean, it's uh, the the uh, kind of the rationale behind this photo project that you did, and what brought you to Ukraine, and and kind of how you fell into this, um, to, because really what you came away with was some really unique images of people, which is something you don't normally shoot.
2: Well, it's interesting because the project completed in '8, uh, really never went anywhere. I, I exhibited it at once. Uh, it wasn't my most popular project. I wouldn't even say it was my favorite project. But suddenly here in this last two weeks, it really has taken on a completely different meaning. And now, I don't know, I feel differently about it, especially as as I wrote that newsletter and recounted my experiences with these people. Um, I was in Ukraine simply because my son was serving in the Peace Corps there and my wife and I went out to visit him. And as most people would know, my practice is to never prepare photographically for where I'm going. I don't want to go there with any preconceived ideas. I never look at other people's work from the area. I never purchase a guidebook to see where I should go and what I should photograph. And so I went there with this blank slate and hoping to find something that would inspire me. Well, we're in the trip for about three days now, and I'm not seeing anything. And I'm starting to get nervous counting down the days remaining. The people were interesting, but... I always have a problem photographing people in a foreign land uh, because you ask to photograph them, and they put on the big camera face, the big smile, the mask that only reveals what they want you to see. And I didn't have a common language nor time to get to know each person and break down those barriers. So I'm at a bus stop and I'm pondering this problem. When I see this old guy leaning up against a wall and I approached him and, Uh, I tap my chest and I go America and he nods and I hold up my camera and I say photographer and he nods and then I do that universal uh, sign for can I take your picture and he nods Mm -hmm. and so I took the picture and then I said using sign language stop close your eyes and he scrunches his face up as if to say what and I said it again close your eyes and I took his picture. And I liked, it was my very first one, and it was my favorite run of the whole series. Uh, it, it just removed that mask, and I think it kind of revealed something about the person. And so for the next couple of weeks, I just walked around Ukraine using sign language and asking people if I could photograph them with their eyes closed.
1: How did, how did most of the people react to that, Cole? Did they, were they uh, agreeable to doing that?
2: Very. uh, I think I had three people who said no, one who got angry, and I'm certain swore at me in Ukrainian, but almost everybody just did it. And and let me tell another little story. I'm in Lviv, and this little old man, five foot nothing, came shuffling up, and he asked me in very broken English, what are you doing? And I explained, and then he just shuffled away. A few minutes later, he came shuffling back with a camera. And he said, can I take your picture? And I Hmm. said, sure. And he said, with your eyes closed. And he took a picture of me and sent it to me. I've got it. And when I closed my eyes, I suddenly appreciated, here you are in a busy city street, and someone asked, a stranger asked to take your picture with your eyes closed. And immediately your thoughts are, is this a joke? Is it a trick? Am I going to get my stuff stolen that I've just set down? You know, what's going on here? So I was really impressed with how trusting and kind the Ukrainian people were just from that one little experience.
1: That's yeah, that's fascinating because when i when i stop and think about, you know, when we shut our eyes, it's a vulnerable place to be. Our yes, facade kind of drops away, which was sort of the point of your project, but you know, it's a it's definitely a vulnerable place for people because we can't see what's coming. And uh, Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it kind of helps reveal the, the person behind the mask, which was your what, kind of what you discovered on this trip. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, the uh, Jewish people say that the eyes are a window to the soul. And yet I still think that, you know, closing the eyes revealed something also.
1: Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah that that first image of the of the guy at the bus stop was was probably my favorite out of the series as well. There's, yeah, there's something playful. Of a of, it's just very authentic. It
2: reminded me of a guy at the firing line He's about to be shot. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, it, it it just you know I know you did this a number of years ago, and to look at this now, you don't. Know, I mean, my first impression of these people is, you know, what are they going through? You know, where are they? What's going on over there?
2: You know, I stay in touch with a couple of those people. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. And uh, uh, let me read just some of the most recent communications I've had with them now. The one woman who we were closest to, she was actually my son's supervisor, the Ukrainian supervisory. He taught at an English school there. Her name is Natasha, <clears throat> a single woman. And she's in Berislav, which is in the Kherson Oblast, which is just above Kherson, the city, which is now occupied. And she said, <clears throat> they, the Russians, are in some areas of Kherson. The enemy began to mine Kirsten. Eyewitnesses report that they installed tripwires in the city center near the building of Scythia. But the city is holding on, and so are the people. You know, that's just breaks my heart, and we've tried to get her out, but she's got animals, and she won't leave them. And I get that, but,
0: you
2: know, uh, the noose is tightening. And if if Natasha doesn't get out, I don't know what happens. She says she's got no electricity, no water, no heat.
0: Um, I don't know. It's winter over there,
2: too. Yeah. Yeah. Another friend of mine, uh, Serge, who is in the newsletter, he and I have communicated more often. And uh, he's in uh, Lviv. And they're, you know, a little bit protected because they're in the West. And the Soviets are on, I think, the North and the East and the South. And he said, thank you for your participation in the events that are now the territory of my homeland, Ukraine. Russia dropped the first echelon of troops. This will not be a quick war at the expense of Lviv. Now the war is not infantry and tanks, but the war of planes and missiles. So within the reach of the latest weapons owned by Russia, every piece of Ukraine's territory is in sight. But we are with God. And if you are with God,
0: then who is against
2: you?
1: Hmm. That's powerful. Did
0: you do anything there? Other than the project with the people, did you do any other kind any any other photography there did, I mean you got around though well, most of the country
2: that is the same trip that uh I had two extra days and we went to Poland and that's where I created the ghost of auschwitz Birkenau right so that was on that same trip
0: oh okay, okay,
2: wow.
1: Wow. So have you have you practiced this uh, Eyes Wide Shut uh, any other place or was this sort of a one-off?
2: No, it was just, a, you know, a, a solution to the immediate problem. Um, and, you know, I, I advocate not copying others. And I also advocate not copying yourself, you know, not trying to repeat a success. And so I've not used it again, nor do I think I will. Yeah.
1: I I find it an interesting way to break down barriers between people as well as, you know, within an individual person being photographed, but... uh, it was fascinating,
2: the different uh, types of reactions. Some people were very, very relaxed and they're almost the portraits are beautiful. The young girl who worked with uh, was a student of my son. And I have another one that wasn't in the newsletter, a shopkeeper. They're just very beautiful portraits the the body posture the person took. I remember one woman, she was at a little vegetable market and she had vegetables right. out there. And she just couldn't bring herself to close both eyes because she, I, I assume she thought I was going to steal some vegetables. You know, here's a rich American with this, you know, yeah, $2,000 yeah. camera and I'm going to steal her carrot, but <laughs> she would close one, then open the other and open one and close the other. And it was kind of humorous because as many times as I asked her, she just couldn't bring herself to close both eyes.
0: Yeah. What's interesting is that, you know, you where, where you were, that I'm guessing a lot of these folks didn't speak English. No. um, Uh,
2: the younger ones a bit. Yeah. Like I had this one kid who, uh, demanded a dollar from me to take his picture.
0: Right. Right. (laughs) And,
2: uh, that was interesting. And I, I had a couple, there was a couple I took a picture of, uh, together, him holding her and them smiling. That was very nice. And the blind man. And I thought how ironic, uh, a blind man whose eyes are always shut.
0: Yeah. Well, what's what's interesting is that um, you know, I mean, I I've spent a fair amount of time in Europe, uh, Iceland, Scandinavia, and a couple other places, and then you know, we I used to run some workshops over in Japan and 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 and, and the far east. And what's funny is that most people where I go, they speak better English than I do. Of course, that's not that <laughs> hard, but. Um, you know, but being in a country where they really don't speak English, I, I, it must have been challenging. I, sometimes, you know, uh, Art Wolf says that, you know, when he goes to Africa, you know, he'll he'll take a picture of somebody and show him the picture. And then they'll understand what's going on. And that's one yeah. way of breaking the ice, you know.
2: I actually think it was an advantage not having a common language. I don't know i can 't put it into words, but there was something that bound us once we did this experience. We were communicating without words, and it was yeah. it was fun and like I say, I made friends. I remember this one kid, Lesha, who must have been sixteen and he was uh, coming home from a wrestling championship and uh, i've communicated with him a few times he, he spoke no English, hmm. uh, but I thought about him because if he were sixteen and that was fourteen years ago he 's now thirty, and he well he could be in the war. He could either yeah. Yeah. have volunteered to fight as a civilian. I don't know what happened to him.
0: Well, I just, I, I, I wish um, when this podcast, and I think, John, we'll get this up pretty quick. Yeah. I, I'm guessing, yeah. um, we're going to do our best to get this out. It, it's just, it's so touching. It's just those images. And, I don't know. I guess it's just very timely and they they, they speak um You know, I'm a I'm not a good photographer when it comes to capturing people. So um, I I, I
2: rarely shoot people. I I hardly ever do.
0: Yeah, and uh, and they just they're well, you ought to do it more because you did a great job on there. You did. Let's uh, talk
2: about the uh, President Zelensky, should we? Uh, sure. That there was that one photo in the newsletter where this kid was really kind of funny. He told me he was a comedian. And he said that uh, one day he was going to be president. And I never thought anything of it. It's the kid who wouldn't close both eyes. And he mm-hmm. just would close one eye. And he was just joking around. And I thought he was kind of a nut, not uh, insane nut, just kind of a nutty guy. And I didn't think anything more about that experience until I wrote that newsletter about a week ago. And then I thought, wow, a comedian who told me he was going to one day be the president of Ukraine. And didn't say anything about it, didn't think about it. Well, I put out the newsletter and I must have received 10, 15 emails saying, hey, is that Zelensky? And I said, no, I don't think so. And another friend said, hey, I put it through Google AI. And when I did, it popped up as Zelensky's picture. And I said, Mm -hmm. well, I I don't really think so. Mm -hmm. So if you'll recall, I always took a picture with their eyes open first, and then I asked them to close their eyes. So I got this kid's picture out, put it against a picture of Zelensky, which was taken within a year of each other. And I'm still thinking it's not. But others are saying, yeah, I think it is. But wouldn't that be something if it were?
1: Yeah. That would be pretty incredible. Yeah,
0: I I actually, uh, you know, I keep, keep, uh, you know, I, I, I think we were talking before we got on here, but. I haven't looked at social media now in, in over a year and a half, and you know I try to not to listen to too much of the news because pretty much everything you're hearing is kind of editorialized by these people who are supposed to be reading the news. But I, I don't, you know, they they always have to throw opinions in, and you know what they're yeah. working. But you know, I actually think that this this president. I mean, he's doing great. Some great things, but you know, I, I just wonder if he's uh, in, in 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 kind of installing this uh, this this false hope to these folks that they're going to be able to conquer, you know, this vast army that's coming after them. I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what to think. Whether whether he's He's doing the right thing, or he's.
1: Well, I think uh, he's fostering you know. the same spirit that we in this country have around fighting for what we believe in and fighting for our country. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, we have that's a lot. Of, we
0: have a lot to fight with those poor people over there. Oh, they're sure. de- dependent on, on.
1: But it's all but, about heart, you know, and, and you know, uh,
0: it's all about heart till ten million people come in after us. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I, let me let me jump back real quick to. Uh, something you guys were talking about which is um interacting with people that don't speak English very well and I think you know I've had a lot of experience traveling throughout Asia and Europe as well and and some of my most memorable experiences are with having a shared activity with somebody who doesn't speak my language and I don't speak theirs and Mm -hmm. uh, You know, sitting down and having tea for two hours with somebody who doesn't speak English, and I didn't speak Taiwanese. Those types of things are the most, some of the most memorable person-to-person experiences I've had. I can't encourage people enough to not be scared. Don't shy away when you don't have a common verbal language, because there's a lot of other tools out there, you know, as you found.
2: I agree. I agree. I agree. And in fact, the reason I did that is because my son, he's always been so shy and he didn't want to help me by approaching people and explaining the project. And so thankfully he bowed out and my wife and I did it through the sign language. And I'm grateful that happened. Uh, And I wonder too, if I would have gone to Japan, would they have done the same thing? Or if I went to Italy or France, I wonder if people would have been as trusting as the Ukrainians were. I have no you know, idea.
0: I'll tell you. I, I I think they probably would call because I think I don't know. I think people have a sense of when you when you go up to somebody, sometimes they can tell whether whether you're like a, a good good guy or not. I don't know. If I'm, I'm saying it wrong, but there's some. You know, I mean, humans. We're funny people. You know, when we go to a grocery store, for example we we see people we don't know and we tend to kind of within 5 seconds kind of try to figure out what these people are like whether we do it consciously but mostly subconsciously and i think a lot of times you know when you're when you're cordial you know people can figure that out pretty quick and then like you say there's common signs that we make that you know that you could talk
1: through and I yeah. think you know the other thought that sort of struck me a little bit earlier in the show here was uh was uh kind of as a result of this project it's really just showing that you know we may live in different parts of the world we may speak different languages eat different food but guess what we're all we're all human and we're all pretty similar in many many regards
0: the, the blood's red everywhere, is yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But
2: you know, a thought I've had is, why do I seem to care so much about Ukraine because I know some of the people I've been there? I wonder, will I have been as supportive of Ukraine or any country if I had no connection? What is it about a connection that makes me care more?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're what?
2: freedom-loving people. Shouldn't I care no matter what?
0: Probably, but That's I think it's, point. it's just, you know, again, I think we're, you know, we're, we're human and we tend to relate to things that we've been a part of, you know. If this was going on and then, you know, in, I don't know, somewhere else that none of us have been to, um, I, I haven't been to Ukraine. I don't think John's been there. No. And I, I can guarantee you, Cole, you relate to it a lot more than we do even though I know that we're both feeling bad for those folks but, you know, you've been there. I used yeah. to go to, I used to go to France a lot. And it was always interesting because, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd come back from France and people that I knew, they'd say, well, what's it like over there? They hate Americans in France. And I said, man, I said, I'm, I didn't have any problem, you know, and I never had a problem. Yeah. And, and they looked at me like, Well, how did you deal with that? I said, well, I didn't go over there, you know, thinking that I was better than anybody else. And I tried to speak a little French. And I wasn't a, you know, a smart ass. (laughs) I I wasn't a know-it-all ugly American that goes over there with the preconceived notion that they hate us. They don't. Well, I
2: think that's interesting because often people repeat things. And I've done the same thing. You repeat things you've heard. The French hate Americans, and with no absolute experience, but we repeat it as though we know it to be true.
0: Yeah, and then and then I had friends of mine who say, "Well, you know, they won't fight. The French won't fight. They they won't let us fly over France when we're flying from England to go bomb somebody in somewhere." And I said, "Well, you know, whether they're right or wrong, when you make these assumptions, you have to understand why that is. And and you know what? They are like that." And they are like that because in World War One, which we don't study World War One, but in World War One, the French lost about eighty percent of the male population. Wow! And they don't want to fight anymore. It's just it, it's it's yeah. if you go to uh, if you go to Denmark, all the stores close at like I think they close Saturday afternoon. You know, you you not shopping there like there is here on the weekend why because they value their family time and they go well they have all this vacation time well they do because they value their family time and they've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years and that's the way it is and and before we make assumptions about people i think you know we you have to understand why and i even talk about this in photography we all talk about how to do things and you know how to shoot this and how to do that and what do this we don't talk about why do you do it this way mm-hmm. so the question why is really important maybe we should do a podcast on that. Well, that's
2: the value of travel isn't it the more we learn <clears throat> about other cultures we you know we 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 as photographers have the luxury of traveling probably a lot more than the average american my best friend had never left the country and recently went to vancouver that's the extent of his foreign travel <laughs> and here we are being able to experience you know i've been to easter island and of course the Faroe islands and <clears throat> russia and ukraine and japan and a lot of people don't have those experiences yeah. to see the other things people value
0: you know i, I don't like paying ga- i don't like paying four or five dollars a gallon for gas i hope it goes down i hope things get better i hope it changes but I get John will tell you, you know, uh, years ago in Iceland, we were paying the equivalent of nine fifty a gallon for diesel. Yep. Wow. Uh, you know, and and I'm not saying it's the right. It's not the right or wrong. It's just when you travel, you see that we're very spoiled here in America. And like I say, we've never had a. I can't imagine going through what those people are going through in ukraine i mean we all see what's you know we hear about it we look at it and they they try to show what's going on but you 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 don't know till you're wearing those shoes and sitting in a in a in a subway station hearing the bombs go off. you know what the british did in world war ii you know hiding yeah. at night you know i mean we're 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 so spoiled here. It's unbelievable. Yeah. We're all worried about how many damn megapixels we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, hey, can I uh, can I bring it back just a little bit to uh, uh, Cole? Something that you said around just your your sort of rhetorical question about why you feel this connectedness to. Ukraine and and how we feel more of a sense of connectedness to places we've been or things we've experienced and that kind of got me thinking about uh, landscape and nature photography a little bit and how we when we're in these places we're very much affected by it and we're very connected to it and so we have this emotional baggage that comes along with our photographs that other people might not Mm-hmm. And it's and it's really interesting. Of how do you, as a as, you know, whether you're landscape and nature or a war photographer or or anything else, how do you, how do you bring people, how do you build that greater sense of connection with people that may have not been in this location through your visual images? Now, well, my
2: approach is completely different. I don't try to create an image that will communicate or create an image that will touch others. I try to create images that I love and I then can't control how others will or will not react to them. And, um, but I just don't try to please others or to create for others. I always feel like my best images are the ones that I create out of a sense of passion and vision and for myself Um, and again these ukrainian images were never i would say if i had to rank them from one to ten they would have been you know at the bottom of the list in the eyes of other people and the comments i had received or the amount of attention i got for them but suddenly now for others they have meaning and i'm appreciative of that because i i would (laughs) like to get this word out that these are real people these are good people these are proud people These are giving people, uh, you know, in the newsletter, I showed that picture at the very last, the picture of at the picnic. And here's this, some friends of my son's who wanted to throw a big picnic for us. And these guys brought out tons of meat and I know how hard it was for them to come to meet and just threw us a big, big picnic just because they were generous and they wanted to, you know, they loved Cody. And so they wanted to. Thank his parents, and I was just touched by that. So you know, that's I, why I've, I created that image.
0: I found that people there a lot of people, especially well, I wouldn't say just in places like Ukraine, but a lot of people are very inquisitive of, about Americans. Um, a lot of people want to be Americans. They they wear jeans, and you know they they listen to the music, and and I think. Again, we're very fortunate here and I, and and they'd like to have all the things that we're so spoiled in having kind of when I just got to france i I stayed in this little hotel not far from the eiffel Tower, uh right up the road from uh napoleon's uh uh tomb it was in a big museum <clears throat> and um uh, i when I got there you know the 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 guy he he knew me and he was uh you know, please come down to the bar today. They had a little bar in the basement and they'd say, everybody's knows you're coming and they'd like to talk to you. Hmm. It, you know, and they just wanted to talk to the American. It was kind of an interesting thing.
2: So it wasn't Jack Graham, the famous photographer. No, please, Graham, no, please,
0: <laughs> please.
2: You know, uh, you talked about, they all want to have the things we have. And I was just thinking, the happiest people I've met in the world were in Ghana, in Africa. They had nothing. They lived on a <laughs> dirt floor with a thatched roof. They had no medicine. They had almost nothing. Yet I thought about how incredibly happy they seem to be. And I wonder if <laughs> they're not lucky to not have all the trappings we Americans have.
1: Yeah. Wow. Very good point.
0: Yeah. Very good point. You know, like I say, we're, a lot, of, a lot of people I run into, they're worried about, you know, when's the new camera coming? It's going to have, you know, 46 megapixels. You know, we're very spoiled. We're very, yeah. very spoiled, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I tell everybody, call it, nobody gave me anything, and I've worked myself up from nothing to extreme poverty. <laughs> But I know, yeah, John, I know John Peterson. So yes, that's, of course. <laughs>
2: that's like me and my print sales, Jack. I lose money in every sale, but I make it up in volume.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, uh, well, you know what? I, I, I appreciate you having me on to talk about the Ukrainians. If people would look at that newsletter. And even more importantly, if they'd share it with their friends. Just to, to put a face on the Ukrainian people. I can't the- imagine. Like you said, Jack how it must feel to be bombed and hope someone will come to your rescue and no one does. And I just hope this does not turn out as we all fear it might.
0: Well, I have a feeling, and I, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm not, I'm not that smart, but this, this nutcase poop Putin. I mean, I, I, I almost think he might have some kind of a terminal illness or something because this is not, these are not actions of a rational human being. It's just, you know, we went through this with Hitler and the other guy in, in Thailand and a couple other people. But this is just, it's, it's horrible. And I, I, you know, like it, it is, is horrible. Just and in innocent people. Through. Just pray to get through it. I don't know. I don't know what to do. But anyhow, um, you know, we're going to uh, get you back on here. um probably sooner rather than later, if you're around, um, to do, you know, this uh, project that John and I are trying to get going, this, this create creativity, um, uh, you know, group that we're trying to put together here in a podcast and, um, John, uh, any, any last uh, thoughts? Um, no last
1: the... thoughts. It's been, uh, it's been fantastic. I think I just echo Cole's sentiment of, uh, folks go out and go out and read this article take a look at the images and and please share um, just share with your I've already shared with a bunch of friends and uh, just it puts a face a, a more personal face on what's happening and uh, and I would encourage folks to go out and do that so i'll put uh I'll put all the links and everything up on uh, the show notes at we um, but you can access everything from Cole Thompson's website. And
0: everybody, much. Uh, everybody uh, say a prayer for these people.
1: Yeah, Yep. Amen. Yep. All right, Cole, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks yeah, for uh, getting through it the is. technical with me. Thank <laughs> you.
0: It is, and 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 we'll get you back on here. Um, like I say, sooner rather than later.
2: Yep. Okay, just don't invite that Barclay guy, man. I just would ruin. <laughs> The entire event.
0: John, John's a piece of work. Right? <laughs> we'll probably do to get John back on.
2: Here. I told him his best attribute is that he's tall. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much. All right. Okay, thanks. We'll cool. talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye.